Here's an honest question. How are you supposed to know what to do with your money? Very few of us are exposed to meaningful advice on how to manage our finances. Even fewer have the means to get professional financial guidance. Betterment is a platform that was built to do something radical, to give accessible financial advice that puts you first. If you're like most Americans, your money is probably sitting in a savings account, likely earning you next to nothing. Maybe you have an investment account that you're not really sure what to do with. Betterment can help you make sense of what to do with your money. Investing involves risk, but you don't have to know the ins and the outs of the stock market to start investing for your future. Betterment's technology will put your money to work choosing the stocks and strategies that are right for you because we know you have other things to do. Betterment's platform can even provide guidance on what financial goals make sense for you. Give your money a new home with Betterment, peace of mind included. Download the Betterment app today. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-M-E-N-T for the betterment of you. I think they said we're live. Um, So if we're live, hi. Welcome to the Atheist Experience. Uh, I'm I'm Matt Dillahunty, host and occasional fix-it guy. Uh, And and this is John Iacoletti. So for the guys in the booth, we see nothing on our preview screen. We don't know what the heck's going on. Um, So we're just not getting that video image. Um, Apologize for the delay. I don't know if it's the Texas heat or if something went wrong or if somebody messed with the setting at some point or whatever, but we have a three-camera shoot, and uh, and all of them went down. The video capture cards weren't working correctly, and we, uh, we're we down to now one camera, which I managed to get working, although the lights on the other two just went out. So, you know, we're, we're down to one light now, too. The whole world is crumbling here in Austin, Texas. Uh, and as such, we're not going to waste any time. We're, hey, there's our preview. Hey, Look. they got us. Hey, now it looks like we're actually doing a show. <laughs> Although it'll only be this one camera, and it'll be slightly short, so we'll just go ahead and get straight to callers. Uh, briefly, this show is sponsored by the Atheist Community of Austin, a nonprofit educational organization promoting positive atheism and separation of church and state, or religion and government, if you're Amanda Kniff, who I adore, so I'll use her language. And uh, the number to call in is right down here at the bottom. One, It's 512-686-0279, or you can go to atheist-experience.com and go down to the How to Call the Show section, and there's a green button there that you can click in order to make calls from your computer just as you would over Skype or Google Hangout or anything else. Um, also, a, uh, after the show's over, there are folks who will go to dinner, uh, and that will be up at the bottom of the screen, too, with the address to Threadgills. Um, the hours, by the way, because there was some confusion over here. Right now it says at the bottom of the screen, hours, 10 to 3 on Friday, etc. Those are the hours that the building is open to the public, the library building. There's somebody here, so you can come in and read some books or pick up some atheist merch or just come by and see what's going on. Uh, the hours for this show are normally 4.30 to 6 p.m. Central Time, which I think GMT minus 6, but you, you can go on Google and it knows everything, U.S. Central. Hey, what time is it in Austin? And it will tell you. And uh, but today we're running from like oh I don't know five oh seven until about six o'clock. Yeah, sorry folks. Yeah, it happens. 
Um, so I guess we'll go ahead and start right now with uh, Doug in Spokane. Thanks for waiting. Hey, Matt. This is, how are you doing? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Um, I'm kind of on the fence about, uh, I guess, the Christian religion. I've been a Christian most of my life um, and kind of uh, been going through some uh, – research myself on on in science and stuff and you know having doubts especially over the past i don't know seven or eight months and uh i had some questions for you about about science i guess and and the peer review process if, if maybe you're familiar with it because you sure. know, I'm, I'm, i feel like hey so doug uh yeah. sure i yeah. i suppose both of us are at least passingly familiar with the peer review process it's something we've talked about before and I'll be happy to take a stab at it, except that I find that there's two things about this that kind of bug me. Number one, neither of us are scientists or science educators. And I yeah. don't know what the relevance is. Because you know, well, the, the God proposition, is- the God proposition either has, you know, sound arguments with supporting evidence for it or it doesn't, irrespective of what science says or what science methods are. Sure, sure. Sure. I I, I agree with you there. I'm not arguing with you at all. I, I guess what I would like to do is find out. I mean, you seem fairly confident in in your belief in you know I, as far as the scientific method and stuff. And I do too. I mean, as I'm doing my research, I see that too. And so I guess what I'm trying to do is I would like to have a little more confidence in the peer review process, and I've been doing a little bit of research there, and it seems to me that you're really confident in that. No. You know, that, no. In that sort of a thing. So I, no. or are you not? No. I have my confidence in the various scientific methods and the peer review process is proportional to their demonstration of efficacy. So we know there are problems okay. in, in, in peer review. There are jur- articles that have been published in journals that weren't properly reviewed, um, there are peer-reviewed journals that perhaps aren't as good as others. We know that the creationists have come out and come up with their own, I put it in square quotes, peer-reviewed journals so that they can get their stuff published. Um, the okay. fact that some scientist holds a view or gets a result um, doesn't, nece- doesn't tell you anything about what's true. What, what it does tell you is the information that was available and whether or not it might be sufficient to warrant belief. And so this is dependent on your understanding of the subject independent investigation. The methods are the things that are reliable. And, and we, we all know yeah. that this is the case. For example, if we want to find out if something's true, is it better to have a whole bunch of independent sources who are as unbiased as possible attempting to reproduce things and falsify things, or is it better just to trust whoever's got the fanciest degree from the best place? Sure. Okay. I see what you're saying. So, so this whole thing yeah, about guess, peer review, it's not so much that, oh, it's peer-reviewed, therefore it is gospel or, or reasonable. No. Well, yeah. um, each of them have to be taken. There's no, going to be no perfect solution as long as humans are involved. The thing is, yeah. if, there's a, if there's a particular position that has been subjected to peer review and it has been referenced many times and has been used reliably as a foundation for other models um, such that it's, uh-huh. you know, it's been referenced... And all of those other models would then have to be wrong if that original information was wrong. Now we have significantly more confidence in it. It's not just, it's not that this is a perfect method. It's that these are the best ways we can come up with to find out the truth. And when it comes to contrasting yeah. this with religion, religion has no best way to come up with anything. 
Oh yeah, yeah. I that's that's I agree with you there. There isn't any real evidence. And then as I read through the Bible, I, I do see like things that really stand out for me and, and I've been doing a lot of, you know, research just over the Bible itself and any historical evidence and how it's evolved just over the years, you know, even going back to, you know, history all the way back to like Emperor Constantine all the way to this today, looking at how things have changed just the course of the Christian religion. And now there's just so many branches of it. It's just crazy. And I understand all that. But then I, 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 I guess I have my fears of letting go of a religious dogma and then grabbing onto a scientific dogma that I don't, and, and that scares me, I guess, because I'm naturally curious. I would love to know why everything is the way it is, why everything works. I love that about Yeah, sure. The problem uh, is so finding these things out. So, but that's like, can I trust, uh, you know, a science oh, editor? So there's the, there's the whole journal or not, you know, what, and look, yeah. So right. first of all, there's the whole trust but verify thing. But at the end of the day, um, and this is why I raised this at the beginning, let's say that there's no reliability in the scientific processes at all, and you have no good reason to believe anything coming out of science. Does that in any way uh, change whether or not religion's believable? Yeah, no. No, okay. not at all. So when, you, guess, when, you try to, when you try to set up this scenario where you're reluctant to get rid of religion because you're not convinced that science has the answers. What you're really saying is, hey, there are these big questions that I don't have the answer to, and religion at least offers me something, and science offers me something, and neither one of them will be true, and it is really uncomfortable to not know. Well, tough. Sometimes the right answer is we don't know. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of where I'm at. And and Because where I live, I I have a lot of family, and even my own fiancé, she's you know, Christian, and and I've been trying to have, you know, get straying away, and my own fiance, I can't even talk to her about how I think about these things, and how I my thoughts are changing as far as of how I feel about these things, and, and she's not like she's really religious, we don't go to church or anything, and, and, you know, she was raised in a Christian school, and so now whenever I talk about other atheist opinions and things that I find that have really enlightened me as far as what I feel is knowledge. I try to show it to her and she kind of just breaks down and cries thinking I'm going to go to hell. And then I, the only other person I really talk to is my mom and, and she isn't exactly the most educated person. So a lot of her faith is just, I mean, a lot of her confidence in the Bible is just blind faith. And, and whenever I just try to talk to her about, how she came about to believing the way she believed, because I'm curious about that. I want to know why, rather than just, oh, I believe just, just because I have faith, I have these feelings, or I have these, you know, I just know, I get a lot of that. I just know, I just know, that's the way it is. Yep, and that's I'm the like, way well, most people are going to think about know. it. Yeah. You don't know. Your definition of know and definition of belief is two different things. Crying in the night. And I get into arguments with her about that, and then she ends up you know, storming out of my house, you know, I don't want to argue with you. I just want to visit, you know, and, and I get, I get, I, I don't know. I don't have really anybody to really talk about these ideas with. You are like... in, you are in one of the most, <laughs> you are in one of the most liberal progressive godless states in the union in Washington. <laughs> if you can't find an, well, if there's not an atheist well, group within actually, 20 miles of you, I'll eat my hat. Yeah. Well, hopefully I can find one around this area. I'm sure there is, but Spokane, Spokane, the east, 
the, uh, the eastern portion of the state is a lot more conservative than over by Seattle sure. on the western side. So it's like, I mean, there, there's a lot of liberals on the west coast, but then you, as you get over and, and there's a lot of farmers and, <laughs> you know, wheat farmers and whatnot over here. And on the east coast of Washington, so so I just I, I just googled I just googled Spokane atheist, and I came up with the Inland Northwest Free Thought Society, the Spokane Secular Meetup, Spokane Secular Society. Um, a quick Google search will point you to some other folks in your area, okay. so you have people to talk to. Because I'll tell you this: if your interactions with your religious relatives and 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 um, you know fiance etc. Um, are going badly. The worst thing you can do is keep forcing these discussions that they don't want to have. Yeah, you're not well, gonna you're not gonna said, change your mom's I, mind. Uh, you're you're better off discussing it with somebody else, probably, or, or at least not you know right away. You have to you have to have somebody who's receptive to talking about it. Otherwise, you're almost certainly wasting your time. Yeah, and it's not like I'm really trying to convince anybody, but it's just like these ideas I have. It's like well, just like any sort of conversation, I like to bounce ideas off of others and and see how they, you know, react or feel or, you know, just just because they're family and friends and people you love and you want to be able to, you know, talk with them about how you feel and your feelings and your ideas, you know, because, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean. It, and I just, I, I don't really, you know, I don't really have a whole lot of friends in my area right here as it is, you know, I, I'm disabled, so I don't really get out a whole lot. So, uh, <laughs> that's probably a lot of the reasons why I don't have a whole lot of friends because I don't really get out a lot much. But anyhow, I do a lot of research and do a lot of reading and stuff over the internet, and I've found out all your guys's, you know, all all the information you guys put out very very fascinating, interesting, and I, I really kind of delved into all kinds of stuff. So yeah, I don't I, really I don't know what else to tell you other than that bit of advice. But you know, we'll we'll wish you luck, and you know. Do, Okay. You, you've got to stop thinking in things. You've got to stop thinking in things of term in terms of which one gives me the answer that I'm most confident in, and consider well, things instead. In, instead, consider things why you have confidence in a particular answer. And I and I'll finish this thought up uh, offline while we queue up some other callers because uh, I wanted to talk about okay. this. So thanks, Doug. One of the things that I've noticed, and I'm going to get mildly political for a moment. I'm in no way endorsing a candidate. Uh, or even a party. I'm talking about an issue. The state of the economy in the United States is something that we can assess by a number of different factors. And it could be considered uh, good, bad, improving, in decline, etc. But when you listen to the pundits and, and the constituents talk about this, the state of the economy right now, in, the, in July in 2016, there's a large group of people who are convinced that the economy is in the tank. It's absolutely terrible. Um, they want to blame, you know, either the current do-nothing Congress or the current do-nothing president, however they want to phrase it. This is the state of the economy. It's just terrible, and we have to improve it. And then there's another portion of the, of the population that looks at the economy and says, no, <laughs> by every measurable macro standard of economics, the economy has improved. We've had, you know, so many quarters of, of uh, private sector job growth and uh, Unemployment's at five percent. Uh, the the car the automobile market has has recovered. Um, you know all these these factors. Now, one group is pointing to data and reaching a conclusion, and the other point, the other group is pointing to I think feelings. 
the general perception that we all have at all. Like I could be doing so much better. My, of course, my financial situation could be better. Uh, there's very few people who wouldn't say they're financial. Or, I, and even those people who are like the, the Uber 1% are probably sitting around going, you know, I could be better off. And they could be. And it depends what line of work you're in and a, a whole bunch of other things, too. It's hard to talk yeah. about it globally. And when we talk about this, you've also had uh, several years of one group of people basically constantly spewing the message, the economy's a wreck, the economy's a wreck, the economy's a wreck, the economy's a wreck, the economy's a wreck. And people buy into that because there's this bias of their perception of it without the actual data. And this is why when we talk about tell me what you believe and why, the why is the most important part. Because I'm not saying that the economy couldn't improve. Absolutely. And I'm not saying that any individual who feels that the economy is a wreck is necessarily wrong because the factors that they're using to assess this go to what's their personal experience, what situation are they in, what about the people they know, how many people in their life are unemployed, how many people have been removed from the roles of the unemployed, how many of them have been told don't trust the data from these sources because they're just trying to lie to you. So they have this package of things. The same thing's true in religion and a whole whole, whole host of other uh, uh, issues where we have the disagreement. And this is why it's so important to get to the why behind what you believe. And when Doug's talking about this, you know, hey, religion's been giving me this answer for years. I don't have any reason to believe that it's true anymore. But gosh, what other option do I have? Because I hear all these bad things about science. And there are a contingent of people who also just talk shit about science. All the, oh, it's always changing its mind. Science, like science is, you, <laughs> like, you know, like your that's uncle. that's a bad thing, yeah. yeah. Like science is some uncle that's just pulling stuff out of his butt. Oh, science is just always changing its mind. And, hey, we've had flaws in peer review. Yes, we have. You know what else we have? Better medicine than ever in the history of human beings. Uh, you'll, you, the same thing applies to, to uh, statistics about crime. By all measures, violent crime is down. We hear about it more, and there are certainly more uh, televised uh, incidences of horrific things. But in general, as Stephen Pinker wrote in The, the Better Angels of Our Nature, society's better off than it ever has been. That doesn't mean there's not room for improvement. And what happens is somebody takes room for improvement and, using an exercise of kind of hyperbole, expands it to look how bad it is rather than look how good it is and how much better it can be. And this shifting focus on where you're beginning and what baggage you're bringing into it is important, which is why we ask why people believe. Yeah, and science is subject to, to spin and bias as well. And the, the caller asked about peer review, and that, and I think you alluded to this, it gives you a, it just gives you more confidence that bias at least can be eliminated as much as possible or flaws in methodology. If you have more people looking at it who understand the subject, you eliminate at least as much of those as you can. It's the difference between getting your medical opinion from someone in a lab coat and a whole bunch of people who have spent their lives studying something. Right. Uh, this, this false perception that if it, if, it, if it only comes from one source, that doesn't mean it's wrong. Uh, but your confidence level in something uh, should be proportional to the evidence for it, the independent evaluation of that evidence, et cetera. But since we've got a shorter show, I don't want to preach on about the sciencey stuff forevers. We've got Gerard in uh, Greenwich, Connecticut. Thanks for waiting. Hi, how are you guys doing? Hey, good. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Uh, the past couple of days, uh, I've been arguing online about the existence of God. Mm -hmm. um, God is an uncaused cause. And 
I want to give my arguments to see how it holds up because I was accused of special pleading, uh, but I don't think it applies. Um, but if I could just uh, describe my experience quickly. Uh, okay, I was so raised are you, Catholic. Are you, are you describing an argument or an experience? I'm like my, uh, like my experience uh, as atheist and Catholic and where I am now. Okay. I, I, it's not that I'm, we're on a slightly tighter schedule today, so right, yeah. kind of keep it summarized so that we can actually get to the argument, because I think you and I would both agree that your, your experience is completely independent of the merits of the argument. Yeah, that's true. Okay, um, go for it. I guess, I guess I'll just shorten it to, uh, I was an atheist for the past like five or six years, but I just recently transferred to agnostic. Um, I identify as agnostic now. Sure. I, uh, so, okay. yeah, when I hear something like, you know, transfer to agnostic or something, um, it makes me think that there's some fundamental confusion, but we'll go with it. Okay. Um, so, since I've converted from atheist to agnostic, I've tended to actually um, in more defending of uh, the idea of a God, mainly a deistic type of God. Um and so this argument is really just in response to the who created God um, kind of question. Okay. I can find it. Yeah, so I'll do the real short version. I have a longer one, but I'll just do the short okay. point by point. Um, so the first part is cause and effect. Cause and effect exists as a part of the universe. God, in this case, is outside of the universe. So God is not subject to cause and effect, and therefore does not need a cause. Okay. That, that's it? Does that sound? Yeah. That's how, how, do, how do you know God is outside of, <laughs> is the obvious question. Yeah. Okay. So. And, and how do you know that, that, so first of all. How do you know there is a God? So first of all, the first premise, cause and effect exists in the universe. There's a ton of problems with that, because cause and effect are concepts that are descriptive. It's not necessarily something that exists. So how do you know, first of all, that cause and effect doesn't also apply outside of the physical universe in some other context? And number two, what justification for you ha do you have for saying that God is outside? Because even if you could prove that, even if you could demonstrate that there was a God who was outside, I don't know how you do that. You still haven't demonstrated that cause and effect is necessarily bound in every context to the universe. All right, so first thing is, um, when I'm doing this argument, I'm not trying to prove God's existence, but I'm trying to form, like, a model where... You're, the, I know what you're exist. trying to prove, because the conclusion yeah. is God is not bound by cause and effect. And, yeah. And so, okay, in order, in order, to, conclude, in order con to conclude, I mean, your, your argument is, it, it, it seems valid in structure. I'm questioning the soundness of it. So you're saying cause and effect applies only within the bounds of the universe... God exists outside no, the bounds of... What? Not quite. Um, okay. What was so, your first premise again? We both agree that cause and effect is in the universe, right? Thanks. So, yeah. So, so, what I would say is causality is descriptive, and we know that it describes things in the universe. What we don't know is if it's bound within the universe. We don't know if there's anything oh, yeah. other... Uh, let's, let's go with cosmos instead, because I don't want to exclude, you know... Multiverse models. Well, they, well, that's the thing. That's the what? I would, I would, so, yeah, I am differentiating between cosmos and universe here, because we have our universe, 
Right. Well, and we know causality describes things within it. Yes. But, but we don't know if that extends beyond the universe. Correct. We don't know. So how, please, please read your first premise again. Cause and effect exist as a part of the universe. Agreed. But your first premise is not exclusionary. It doesn't say anything about cause and effect not existing outside the universe. Or only well, the only existing. thing I'm trying to say is that we, we don't know for sure if it does. No, no, no. Here's the thing. The Here's the thing. We'll take, your, we'll take your argument as it stands, and we'll replace the terms. Okay? okay. Time exists within the universe. Okay. God exists outside so, of the universe. Therefore, God is not bound by time. May not. I should say may not. Sure, may not. And, and now, now when your conclusion is changed to may not, um, you haven't demonstrated a thing. Because it's, no, al- well, it's also possible that he may be, right? Yes. And since we have no way to distinguish between those two to determine which one is the case, or even which one is most probably the case, or whether there's any such thing as outside the universe then the entire argument is useless because it doesn't tell us a thing. Well, what I was using it for is as a counter-argument to the who created God question. Okay, it doesn't get you... If God is the cause. What I'm telling you is if it doesn't tell you anything, then it can't get you to where you want it to go. I know you'd like it to go to this issue of who created God, but it doesn't tell you a thing because what you begin with is causality exists in the universe... God doesn't exist in the universe. Therefore, God may or may not be bound by causality. And, and whether God may or may not be ca- bound by causality, you haven't demonstrated either proposition. And at the end, those are the only two possibilities, which means you've constructed an argument which tells you exactly nothing. That's probably why a lot of people are claiming that it's circular, because you could just begin with the premise, God may or may not be bound by causality. And if you use that premise in an argument... You can't get to anything other than maybe. Well, I'm not trying to really get more than maybe because. Okay, well, I'm not interested. I I don't know. I don't know what use it is to spend a lot of time going through arguments where the conclusion is God may or may not exist. God may or may not be bound by time. God may or may not be bound by causality. Those those are may or may not exist. Those are absolutely useless propositions. So why would I waste time on them? Well, this is an. So the context of this argument is against the kind of, I guess, atheists that think it's impossible for God to exist. Okay, so who are those people? Because this is where I get back to your confusion, where you were an atheist and now you're not. Do you believe that a God exists? Um, I don't know. I don't know if I believe or not. Okay, if you believe something, do you think you would know it? Um... Do you think you would be aware of a belief if you held a belief? Well, what I mean, well, this is where I think the agnostic comes from, is not being certain of your own belief. So, agnosticism. Well, he didn't ask you if you were certain. He asked you if you believe, if you yeah. had a God belief. There's no, yeah, I don't. There's if no, anything, I have, if anything, I have a deistic view. Okay, um, why? 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 A deistic view is a view that there is a God, but that we... It, that it doesn't, or what is or was a God, but we don't have any access to it, so we can't tell you anything about what it is, and it doesn't interact. The deistic mm-hmm. notion is self-refuting, by the way, because your simul- the deistic That's notion it. simultaneously claims that there, we, we have a justified belief that there is a God or was a God, 
and yet we can't tell you anything about it because we have no access to it. And yet you're telling me something about it by telling me that you have a warranted belief in it. So the deistic notion is, is it's as useless as the maybe God. I don't think so. Okay. I do. Um, I mean, I could argue against that, I guess. Okay. So, so you, you said you were an atheist, then you became an agnostic. And first of all, those things aren't mutually exclusive because theism and atheism address belief. Gnosticism and agnosticism address knowledge. Knowledge is a subset of belief. I know that. So you're either you either believe or you don't believe. If you don't believe, you're an if you believe you're a theist. If you don't, you're an atheist or a non-theist, um, depending on how you want to label those terms. But I'm not I'm not it, worried about labels. Sure now you, now believe. you've gone on it's, now you've gone on to say you're a deist. Why, why do you believe there's a god? Um, well, it's more holistic, but you know from. Everything that I've learned about, like, the nature of reality and um, just learn from that and, like, you know, even things as low as, like, quantum physics and, like, particle and stuff like that. Um, By the way, everybody in the audience just groaned. Because anytime somebody yeah, re why? mentions quantum physics, you already know they have no clue what they're talking about. Because no, yeah, I have no clue what quantum physics is. Yeah, but I'm just saying. So, so you're you're giving an argument for deism, and you and you used quantum physics as part of it, and you just acknowledge you don't. No, have any... I'm not giving an argument. I'm saying I'm saying my opinion. I'm saying my perspective. My okay. So your why. perspective. One of the reasons why you believe is because of quantum physics, and yet you know nothing about quantum physics. No, that's that's not what I said at all. I'm pretty sure you made both of those statements. Do you know something about quantum physics? No, I don't. I know the. So, so it, if, you, if you don't know anything about quantum physics, then at least half of what I just said is correct. A minute ago, when you're giving the reasons that you believed that there was a God, a deistic type of God, you said it was all about what you had learned about nature and quantum physics. Did you not say that? Uh, I was using quantum physics as like a side. Yeah, we don't no, get to do that. Bye. Sorry, I'm done. We, we're on a short show. There's no way I'm wasting time with somebody who simultaneously says they don't understand something and then uses it as an argument or a reason, sorry, not an argument, a reason for a belief and then tries to back out of all of it and say, oh, it's just kind of like a side thing. Yeah, your argument leads to maybe God. Congratulations, you've accomplished nothing. I think what he was trying to do was say that uh, he was trying to invalidate the first cause the rebuttal to the first cause argument by saying, well, a, uh, a cause isn't required for a god. Mm -hmm. He's not saying there is a god that was uncaused, but he's trying to make the argument that a cause isn't required. Yeah. But I think that's just a fancy way of doing a special pleading argument again. You well, could just say God didn't have a cause because he doesn't need one, right? which is special pleading. And I think he's just kind of making the same argument in a fancier way. Well, I think it's a much less fancy way because if you were going to try to counter the first cause argument and talk about and give an argument for why God didn't need a cause, the conclusion of that argument needs to be, therefore, God does not require a cause. The conclusion of that arg argument should not be, God maybe requires a cause and maybe doesn't. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's awful. Sorry. So we got uh, Mehdi in Morocco. Thanks for waiting. Oh, cool. Hello? Mehdi? Are you there? Testing? All right, we'll put you back on hold just in case you stepped away to, I don't know, use the bathroom or something like that. Um, we've got, uh, is it Georgie in Calgary? Uh, yeah. Hey, thanks for waiting. you got Matt and John. 
Uh, pleasure talking to you guys, by the way, both Matt and John. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I'm actually a big fan of the show, and I became an atheist uh, watching you guys and also Neil deGrasse Tyson, which I must give him credit. <laughs> um, yeah, and I actually just have a question. Uh, I was born in a uh, Sikh family and mm -hmm. uh, immigrated to uh, Canada uh, about uh, 10 years ago and, um, you know, got into uh, uh, university studying astrophysics and gradually just became an uh, uh, atheist. And, uh, uh, but yeah, so every time I argue with someone from uh, Indian religions, you know, Sikhism, Hinduism, um, if, you know, I bring up the argument, uh, you know, why do s small children have critical illnesses? Their reply is really, you know, they use the karma card. It's really easy to just say, oh, they did something bad in their previous life. So, you know, that's why they have, you know, uh, critical illness, illnesses or something like that. I was just wondering what's the equivalent for Abrahamic religions. So if I ask them that same question, what would their reply be? I think the, probably the closest equivalent is that that was God's will or God had an, another purpose for doing that that we just don't understand. Um, you know, there's some Western people who do believe in the idea of karma or what goes around comes around. But uh, I think it's a coping mechanism, basically. It's like something bad happened, there must have been a reason for it. You know, karma's one way to, to justify that, and I think God's will is, is another way. It's all trying to deal with the problem of evil, basically. It, this, this idea of karma... Um, in a way, it's unique, um, or in a way, it doesn't fit in with Christianity, it, it, because Christianity's idea of justice is not that there's a um, some kind of cosmic balancing scales or anything else. It's you know there's a God who is righteous and is the source of morality, and that's where justice has come from. And there's no other way to get justice. Uh, I think probably the closest you can get to the sentiment is uh, in Galatians six and a few other places. There's the uh, as you sow, so shall you reap. You know, you're going to get what you put out. And I know that there are Christian denominations um, that try to make use of this as if it were almost something karma-like. And then you also get, you know, that nonsense garbage about the secret, uh, this power of positive thinking and the energy that you put out into the world. That's, you know, what you're going to get. Oh, this is, it's an appealing idea. It would be very nice. Um, it's just that mm -hmm. it's so obviously wrong that those religions that, that talk about karma realize they can't talk about it in the context of the one life that we know we're going to get because mm -hmm. terrible people get away with stuff and good people seem to live miserable lives. And so if karma is true, then the only way that it can be true is with some mechanism like reincarnation where all the bad things that are happening to you are because of what you did in past lives. And the good things that are happening to you are because of what you did in past lives and a little bit perhaps in this life. And what that means is actually horrifying. Because first of all, it's saying you deserve all the crap that happens to you. And not only do you deserve it, you don't deserve it for who you are now, but you deserve it for who you were in some past life that you don't recall and have no say in. And so even if I was reincarnated to the point where I was a different human being with no recollection, Maybe I'm the reincarnation of Genghis Khan. And maybe that guy does, you know, a proper application of justice would have been for him to be miserable for, you know, the equivalent of 100 lifetimes. But that's not my problem. If I'm living a life that is, 
good and decent and I'm doing my best. Why the hell should I have to pay for what they claim I did in a past life? It's, it's, there's such a clear delineation that I'm not, the, you know, even if I am reincarnated, what, what use is it to say somebody's reincarnated as somebody else with a completely different personality and preferences and likes and, hey, we got a light back? Um, that, that proposition is entirely useless because it's identical to saying, oh, somebody died and the constituent molecules were put together and rearranged uh, naturally or by some alien process into a whole new creature and being that has, you know, is fundamentally different. And then saying that this new being, does, it's like taking apart an old car that was just a, a lemon. And you took all the pieces apart from it, and you polished them up, and you put it, and you built a whole new car that's completely different. It's got a different VIN. You've replaced parts and all this other stuff. And then you're saying, um, no matter how good this one actually runs, we should sell it at the price that that lemon was worth. Okay. Um, yeah, and uh, actually, I totally agree. I mean, I and there's no proof of any of this, you know, karma stuff. Uh, yeah. But uh, I just I just find uh, you know it's uh, easier for someone from uh, Eastern religion to just use that card and you know say you know that's why people are like that or you know small kids have cancer yeah. or something like that. But I just don't right. uh, I'm not sure you know what uh, Abrahamic religions how they deal with this issue. Um, now, but, so the, uh, the know, reason sure. the the reason that Abrahamic religions would give for why bad things happen in people's life that's going to go back to original sin. Uh, which is also immoral. It's just as immoral to say that I deserve to be punished because of what other versions of me might have done in a past life as it is to say I deserve to be punished because uh, Eve sinned and then Adam sinned and now we're all screwed because of them. Um, oh, okay. n no reasonable understanding of justice or morality could ever offer either of these potential solutions. What this is is... Um, the, this is the wishful, the, the perverted conclusions of wishful thinking. And that is, that person got away with something, and I really hope they get punished. And so we invent something like karma so that we can think, well, maybe they'll get punished in another life, without realizing how fundamentally immoral that is. And similarly, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, it's because we are the, the terrible, reprobate minds that are the the offspring of these one, you know, this one couple who originally broke God's will uh, or, or violated God's command. It's, it's all nonsense, and it is all immoral. A far more, not only evidence-based system, but a moral system would judge people on the merits of their character and the actions they take, irrespective of whether they are the descendant of a serial killer or somebody who ate the wrong fruit, or whether this is their 10th life and they were a complete piece of shit in all the other ones. All right. <laughs> yeah, that uh, I actually totally agree with that. And uh, then you're yeah, right. I have a very quick question. I know it's a short show. Um, sure. I was actually reading the sixth holy book. Uh, uh, it's called Guru Granth. Mm -hmm. And uh, on the page, on page four, verse 20, it, it, uh, it actually says that nobody knows when the universe started and will never know basically and uh, only god knows is it i actually started a blog about uh, sikhism you know just because there aren't much there's not much on the internet about it and uh, isn't that a uh, argument uh, of god of the gap uh, that we don't know when the universe started nobody will know only god knows yeah it's more than that my question is how do they know that 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> how, do, how do they know that we'll never know? And how do they know that a God does? They're making two claims. I don't know how they justify either one. I don't know. Yeah, there is no justification given. It just says that's the way it is, basically. And that's basically page four. I just started reading it, and yep. it's like, oh, that I didn't have to go too far. If you're if um, you're gonna if you're gonna interact with them, I'd ask them, how do you know this is true? Uh, and if yeah. you know if they're just gonna keep putting forth assertions like that, then I would make use of Hitchens' razor. That which can be asserted without evidence can be dismissed without evidence. Okay, uh, that sounds great. And also, actually, two shows ago, someone called in about saying the moon has its own light. Uh, I study astrophysics, and my simple question to them would just be that, how do you explain the phases of the moon? Yeah. It's its own light. I just wanted to throw that in because it's just, you know, I couldn't believe people believe that nowadays. But uh, thanks well, a lot for see, your The thing guys. is, there's, there's a flashlight inside the moon, so it only shows out one side, and the moon actually revolves, <laughs> but or the flashlight revolves, yeah. maybe. I don't know. And the light apparently has a cooling effect, which, uh, you know, no physicist can explain how photons can actually cool something instead of warming them up. Yeah. Warming something we, we got so up. many emails yeah. about that, that, that there were <laughs> as soon as the more, show was over. There were probably more emails about yeah. that than almost anything else. I wasn't here, and I hadn't actually seen it. And you know what? I don't have to go back and watch it now because all the emails and comments um, have pretty much saved me the time that I would waste to listen to that. But, yeah, I, I don't think we should be wasting time, but I just couldn't, you know, just sit quietly with it. But thanks a lot again with your, for your time. Sure. And thanks, I'll George. definitely keep watching you guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Appreciate it. All right. Let's try Mehdi again. Are you there? In Morocco. Mehdi in Morocco. Ah. It's frustrating because uh, the question listed here was, has questions about the idea of heaven and hell and is a theist. And so I'd love to actually take that call, but I'm going to disconnect it since we don't seem to have anything. Yeah, try back if you can get a connection. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, and Peter in Central Virginia has a question. Hey there. Um, I think I was put in as a theist. It was the, the person I was calling into recommended that I do it. I'm actually more on the end of atheism. Um, I'm also not near any video source because I noticed I think there's some kind of delay and it might be my cell phone. Um, the volume is a little low on my phone. So if I, if I miss a question or something, I do apologize. Sure. Okay. So just go ahead. What, what question do you have or what a comment, whatever. So the question, the question I have is, and I, I'm not, I'm not asking this question with any sort of suggestion that anyone should believe this or not, but I, I'm just curious to know, are, is there such a thing as an atheist who, I'm hesitant to use the word afterlife, but believes in some kind of, I guess the best way to put it would be some sort of consciousness that supersedes death, sure. um, whether it's something that they, that happens by just sort of the natural order, or I mean, I guess, technically speaking, there could be a day where people figure out a way to reconstruct consciousness i just I, i'm just this is something i was curious about i'm sure there are um, because to be an atheist you just don't have a god belief so that doesn't tell you anything about what somebody might believe about reincarnation or afterlives or anything else uh, you might say if you're a skeptic you may reject those for the same reason that there's no good reason to think that there is an afterlife but uh, i'm sure there are I don't think either one okay. of us are, yeah. are, are 
those yeah, kind so, of atheists. Yeah. So the range of, of beliefs, um, you can believe in a God or not believe in a God. You can believe yeah. there's an afterlife of form A, B, C, D, or E, and you can also not believe in any of those. And so it's entirely okay. possible that there are people who uh, don't believe in a God, who identify as an atheist or non-theist, whatever, whatever label they want, um, but still believe in some form of an afterlife. And as far okay. as I can tell, their belief is just as unjustified as the God belief, at least until they demonstrate you know, that there's good reason to think it's the case. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, one other thing, this is a little beside the question, I, but I thought I'd mention this. I, I, I'm, I'm, it, it, I am sort of, I would literally classify myself, I guess, as an atheist, but I, I noticed something, it, it, and it, that was sort of, once again, another sort of gradual process where I think there was a point where I was a you know, full-blown theist, and then I noticed there was, you know, sort of cracks in the order, so to speak. And then eventually it just sort of went to, um, uh, what was it, uh, deism, and then, you know, agnosticism. And then eventually it was just like, wait a minute, this all just kind of seems silly. Uh, but I, one thing I thought that was very poignant, I, and I think Matt might have discussed this in some talk on hell, was that... Um, or maybe, I don't know if it was in the discussion on hell, but it was something to do with the, it's very difficult, in, at least in certain cultures in the world, especially in certain regions of America, to be able to sort of articulate, you know, in truth, that you are an atheist. I mean, it's almost like I imagine something along the lines of, like, if you're a closeted homosexual, there's cert, there's a certain... It takes us, I can't think of the word, but in order to sort of come out of the closet and say, all right, this is the truth, this is what I am. I, I feel like within the sort of the religious um, aspect of certain cultures, at least cultures that really put an emphasis on religious, you almost have this weird feeling when you, when you initially have to admit that you're an atheist because, you know, if you grew up in a church or if you grew up in, you know, a mosque or, you know, any religion – a lot of times there's this sort of the, the, the notion of hell is drilled into you so so much and it's it's and it's drilled into you not exactly for good reasons it's it's drilled into you you know saying like if you even so much as doubt that you know whether or not god exists or there's an afterlife or any you know abc you know claims in the bible you get this weird fearful feeling almost as it's as though it's like instinct. Sure. So just, where, where does that feeling come from? I think it comes from sort of the, I, I don't know if I call it indoctrination, but it comes from sure, whatever. the feeling they sort of, yeah, they, they sort of. If, if, you hadn't, if, you hadn't, if you hadn't ever been exposed to this religion uh, and exposed to the idea that, that doubting the veracity of this religion is a bad thing, when somebody presented yeah. the re ideas of the religion to you, you wouldn't experience that sort of, Oh my gosh! What if it's all? What if I'm going to hell? What you know? Th that just doesn't exist. You have yeah, to, you it, have to be conditioned for this response. It's a protective mechanism of religion. Yeah, that, that's and sometimes when I when I when I get that feeling, it just makes me feel like certain religions. I don't I don't even know if the people like who are sort of you know who are sort of promoting that religion are is, I don't even know if they're like they're doing it consciously but I think sometimes probably not so this it, is one of those things where I don't bear any ill will to my parents or the pastors that I had because 
they were teaching me what they believed is true, and they're as much a victim of the religious, in, you know, indoctrination religious teachings as anybody. It's not you don't have to go to the extent that people are consciously trying to control you. It's just that these are the yeah. ideas, and the way that they have propagated um, is through control. You don't need some sort of, you know. Ah, religion is not just the opiate for the masses, but it's the way that the Illuminati controls the planet. You don't need that. I mean, it's, you know, hey, here's an idea. Uh, It doesn't have evidence for it. It's not particularly good. But what it does is it is co-opted to create communities and help impose social order. And if we drill into people the fear of what might happen if it goes away, um, then they'll keep it. And I'm not saying that that was a conscious thought of let's drill this in. It was legitimately a fear of the people. Hey, this need this is an idea that needs to be protected, or chaos will ensue. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So yes, and there's yeah. there's a cost to uh, to announcing to the world that you don't believe the religion that they do or any. Yeah, I mean, I was I it, it was interesting the thing you mentioned. About, I mean, about I don't know if you're saying something about power, but like I was. Uh, talking with somebody just informally the other week, maybe a week or two ago, and I was I was asking them sort of using Socratic method, and they were at, they were telling me about God and why they believed, and I said, well, you know, explain to me because there seems to be a number of con- things that don't line up. You know, the, the sort of notion that God is all loving and all good, and it doesn't. You know, from some of the things that you know I've noticed from. Uh, different lectures and stuff in the Bible itself, you know, that there's a lot of contradictions. I mean, you, you've mentioned it dozens of times, this whole sort of, that he, that it, that the, at least the Bible sanctions slavery and, and, um, you know, stoning and stoning a woman if she's not a, um, a virgin. And then the whole concept of original sin itself. And then one thing this one person said to me in response, but one thing was I said, um, I think it had something to do with the notion of, you know, would God send you to hell? And she came back with me with, with the sort of, I brought you into this world. I can take you that sort of, um, he can do with us what he wants. And I, something that just, that's just so infuriating. It gets so infuriating when people say that. I mean, I, I, I didn't respond because I think they had to leave or something, but yeah, I'm, I'm, just I'm so glad, I'm glad, I'm, you know, I'm glad that they don't actually believe that they're happy to say it, but they don't recognize that the consequences um, you know, it's absolutely nothing that Bill Cosby says is funny anymore. But back when Bill Cosby used to be funny, that was one of his lines from the show was, you know, I brought you into this world, I'd take you out, and it gets a good laugh uh, because nobody seriously thinks that, that Bill Cosby was actually going to harm his kids. Now, I guess there's probably a bigger question uh, given yeah. his immorality in other areas. His mother said that to him, though, yeah. was, was sure, what that sure. was. Yeah. Well, now, now we know why he's such a terrible human being, because his mother threatened to take him out. Uh, but nobody thinks that that's going to be the case. But if you heard somebody seriously say, hey, you are mine. I made you. I can do whatever I want with you. I can torture you. I can beat you. I can lock you in the bed. There is nobody who would who would accept this from anyone, not a king, not a boss, not a spouse. They would not say that this is a good thing. There are people who will put up with it because they've been indoctrinated or because they're fearful of the consequences. But nobody realistically is going to say this is a good thing. And yet somehow they think it's a good thing for God to say. No, it's 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 this tyrannical notion um, that we would reject. We do the same thing when, when it comes to purpose. People are like, oh, well, I just don't know how I'd live if, if uh, life didn't have any meaning and purpose from God. 
really. So you want to let your parents pick your major, let your school pick your major, let them lay out what your life's going to be like, or would you rather be free? Because we, any, yeah. any, if anybody tried to do the things that they want God to do and think are good, we would rebel. Um, which is why, yeah. if God's rebel, fuck him, I'm rebelling. I mean, if that's, yeah, if it, that's it, the character it, of this being, yeah. um, you know, okay, you can take me out. But what you can't do is take what I am now. You can erase me from history. You can, you know, blot my mind. You can make me, uh, force me to proclaim my love or anything else. But at this moment, I'm a free being. And the moment you do that, you've demonstrated that you are, you, you are grossly immoral and I am morally superior to you. And I'll be confident in that right up to the point you eliminate me. On that yeah, note, we, we're almost out of time, and I want to get to another thief's okay, call. But right. thanks, appreciate well, th- it. Thank you for, thank you for uh, taking my call. I greatly appreciate it. Sure, thank you, Peter. All right, is it Gino in Florida? Oh yes. How you doing? Pretty good. Do you have a question? Because we're short on time. Yes, my thing is, you know how Christians go to church every Sunday, and they always turn to their Bibles and they read the same verses. Yeah. My thing is this. They always talk about the end of the world. Oh, we're in the end times and everything. Why is it that this thing's been going on for thousands of years? Hey, let me ask you a question. Nothing has happened. Because it, yeah. it says here you're a theist. Yeah. Okay. It also says that your question is, how do you know the original Bible's not real? Is that what is that the conversation you have with the call screeners? Yeah, so I'm gonna get so, to that. So so let me ask, how do I know this call is real? No, the reason why I have a question about the Bible is because they're trying to make it seem itself the Bible is real because of Bible prophecy. And you had a discussion about how prophecy can be a coincidence. How can that be? What, I don't know what you're asking. You know, the Bible prophecies, like, oh, we're in the end times. All this is happening. Yeah. You know, with the... Adios. I'm not buying it. Too many discrepancies. If you're going to call in and uh, tell the call screener that you're a theist and you want to ask us, how do we know the Bible's real? To which my answer would be, or how do we know the Bible's not real? To which my, my response would be, how do you know it is real? And until you can demonstrate it, it is, I have no reason to believe it. But if you then get in, start talking about, uh, you know, all kinds of uh, irrelevant points, I'm not convinced that calls for real. No, sounds like James. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm, I'm not always good at recognizing. And by the way, uh, I can't, can't read people's minds, even if I pretend to on stage sometime. I, I don't know if callers really believe what they, I don't know if the accent or voice that they're using is their own, because uh, it's a great big world out there. So if they actually ask legitimate questions that have some value, that's cool. But as soon as there's a major discrepancy between what they say they're calling about, what that tells me is that they told the, told the call screener one thing in order to get through yeah. so that they could ask the other thing. So if, it's, if, if you want to talk about something, you should probably tell the call screener that because if this doesn't match up, I'm hanging up. Um, Seth from Cincinnati, Ohio. Thanks for waiting. Uh, no problem. Hi, Matt. Hi, John. How are you doing? Hi, Seth. Good. We're pretty good. We've got like a minute. Okay, I'll try to make this as quick as possible. Um, I just wanted to say that there, I've noticed some discrepancies uh, talked about on the show concerning the taxpayer funding for the Ark Encounter 
And uh, I had a bit of a screed, but the short version is that the $18 million you hear about actually hasn't been paid out, and it probably won't be paid out in the full amount. But what's actually more concerning, to me at least, is that there's this thing I didn't know about called tax increment financing. Yes. Tracy, and, uh, Tracy, Tracy Moody, Moody and Dan. wrote a great article about this on the Friendly Atheist blog. Who was um, that? Uh, Tracy Moody. Yeah, that's the person who, whose name I just said while you were saying Tracy at the same time. As a matter of fact, uh, I sent her a message to ask her to call into the show. Okay. Well, yeah, generally speaking, um, the, the thing that really bothered me is that there's actually there's been $62 million already paid out in the form of a bond. And uh, as, you, as you, no doubt you know, that basically there's a 75% property tax deferment over 30 years. Yep. And uh, that'll go back to pay back that bond. But if, like Bill and I uh, predicted, the park encounter fails, then the people of Williamstown, Kentucky, will be on the hook for that. Yep. Yeah, and actually I think I heard Dave Silver, somebody told me Dave Silverman from American Atheist, uh, wants to buy the ark once it goes bankrupt, <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I, yeah, there's there's a lot of information about that. You're you're right. I I would highly recommend going to look up what Tracy Moody and a few other people have written, both at Friendly Atheists. They have been the ones that have done all the investigations, which is why I I had you wait so long because I sent a message to Tracy to say, hey, if you're around, call into the show, and then I was going to put her on during this call so that we could clear up whatever was wrong. But because I don't know who said what. Um, Let's just point people to good sources and call it a day. Absolutely. Thanks, Seth. No problem. Thank you. All right. So it's six o'clock. Um, we're gonna go slightly. Nope. Nope. We lost the other caller that we had. I know there's a couple of atheists waiting, but there was one theist that was hanging around that I wanted to hopefully give an opportunity to. If you didn't get through on the show today, my apologies for us having a much shorter show due to technical difficulties. I'm sure the producers will get together and try to figure out what the hell's going on with the other two cameras. But we made it through with this one. Yeah. Um, and gosh, you look awesome there. I mean, like, I have way too much light, but you look like you've seen the sunlight. And I'm, like, extra pale. Yeah, we've now lost all the camera lights, probably because we had a late start. Wait, let me see if I can turn one back on. As far as they know it worked, you're yeah. supposed to go, <gasps> oh, uh, anyway. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks to the people sitting on the other side of the glass who are awesome, who sat patiently in the heat of this building yes. while we tried to get a show together. And uh, some of the folks will be going to Threadgills. Right there's the address. It's three blocks up, two blocks down. It's on the left. It says Home Style Cooking. Uh, you'll find it. If Good you're stuff. Here. See you next week. How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola energy. Energy you want, taste you love. How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, 
Grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola Energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola Energy. Energy you want, taste you love. Ah! 